It's Thursday again, tell everybody to lock in Grab some popcorn, a drink, and go and throw your AirPods in It's a one-hour show, constantly speaking facts Bulletproof stats are always shooting from Matt And when it comes to Kyle, you getting numbers and style Jake is gonna educate you, he has that knowledge on fire Player, step your game up, don't be sluggish or lazy Or Jimmy J might hit you with a shaky baby Catch him on YouTube or any podcast platform Breaking all the news down like Shaq does the backboards No hot takes, this is where the hottest debate's at Now kick your feet up, cause it's time for Straight Facts What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains, brought to you by the Up On Game Presents Network. As always, make sure you're following them on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts and your content. Go check them boys out, because you could check these boys out. Jimmy J with my guys, Jake Galley and Stat Matt Robinson. They love to do this to me, y'all. They love to like tell me like oh james i got a good at the buzzer at the end of the episode and then jake goes well, i don't think you're gonna like this one so just like matt did like two weeks ago i'm just gonna be sitting in suspense for an hour what and then jake is gonna unveil some grand at the but it better be good man if you're i guess i saw like this. I, I came i'll just like little hint i came across a, a stat on twitter that will allow me to talk my talk uh as i usually do know. on this podcast so it's a little sneak so peek the, ah delusion that's what you saw that's that's what you saw and matt said he has a heartwarming one so that's good there's no i thought you're gonna update us on. you have the liverpool shirt on so i thought you're gonna update us on on soccer again at the buzzer that's still preseason that's true that shows you how unplugged i am to the soccer season but guess what it's almost preseason for the sport of football that everyone in america watches and that's american football because we're heading trading camp just started for a whole bunch of teams so that natural excitement that that natural anticipation for football is coming around the corner and i know a lot of teams are feeling it our two teams in particular two eagles fans and a bucks fan have made some pretty good additions that has our fan bases hype so we're gonna go through stay on that side of the conference on the nfc and we're gonna talk about the new additions nfc addition to these teams and just see who's who's new to these teams training camps and are they going to have a big, as big of impact as we think, or are they going to have an impact at all? Bring it in. So we'll start right here in Philly for addressing, which is, I believe, like the third or fourth time on this podcast. But it can't be stated enough about the Eagles going and getting AJ Brown in this trade. Just to summarize it again, they sent the 2022 first and fourth for AJ Brown and then signed him to a four year, $100 million contract, which in the NFL for a receiver is what we call buku bucks so you guys gave that boy a bag but for good reason and the question we're going to probably frame all these new additions to is what type of impact is this addition going to have to the new team so matt go ahead and talk your stuff first man what is aj brown how does aj brown really beef up the eagles honestly it's great that we have such a it's a security blanket wide receiver we haven't had a 1,000 yard receiver since Jeremy Macklin in 2014. Mm. And like Jordan Matthews got close one year. Uh, we had Ertz got 1,000, but he's a tight end. And having just that big body, any, it's such a great safety valve for a developing quarterback like Jalen Hurts. When you have someone like AJ Brown, who one really likes Jalen Hurts, they're like actually like good friends. Mm-hmm. And is no and play, has played his career with a quarterback that isn't the best in Ryan Tannehill. He still put up numbers, so he. I, I don't expect. Oh, if Hurt struggles, Brown will still put up really good numbers. And it's just the he's twenty four. Like the fact that yeah, he's this young part is is so fantastic. The more every time I think about the trade, I like it more. I was just going to say that, Matt. One, it's shocking how young he is. I, I was like, he's like the veteran calming present. No, he's 24. He is a couple years younger than still, I am. But he still has that has that feeling to him of coming in as like the calming veteran to, to kind of, you know, almost last piece to the puzzle kind of scenario thing. Like he has that vibe around him. And I think he played in an AFC title game. Right. 
Right, he has experience, and I also think it's because of the team he's coming to. Compared to the past couple years of wide receiver core, this is the best that the honestly, this is the best talent at wide receiver the Eagles have had since Terrell Owens, like going all the way back almost like you know twenty years ago, uh, just about. So I think that this is a guy who's going to allow the Eagles to do a lot of things they thought they were going to be able to do with Jalen Rager, a guy who you can throw the ball to let him run and run past people, a guy who can run past people, you bomb it over the top. And low-key, I think they're going to hand the ball to him a little bit. Nick Sirianni likes, loves wide receiver core. He was a wide receiver coach over in Indianapolis, loves to get his wide receivers involved. And I think, you know, with an offense like the Eagles, where you probably are going to want to run the ball a lot, having that kind of off, off-beat play where you can hand it, maybe it's Quez Watkins, maybe it's A.J. Brown. Um, he actually only has five career carries, which I thought he was used way more in Tennessee. Maybe I'm just imagining Johnny Smith, but either way, uh, mm-hmm. I think that they're going to get him the ball in a lot of unique spots and let him kind of work his magic. And for a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, that is invaluable. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a go get it receiver. Like he's, he's wide body, big target and, and not many cornerbacks are going to be able to beat him physically to the football. And I think, it's it's almost funny because he has experience and good success with a not so great quarterback. And people have, you know, kind of question marks of how good Jalen Hurts is going to be in the league, especially coming in this year. Well, it's not like AJ Brown is coming from, you know, a pro or you know, he's coming from a Pro Bowl quarterback, but not coming from an all pro quarterback or not coming from an MVP type quarterback. He's coming from a quarterback who, you know, is can be looked at as very middle of the pack and doesn't throw super high volume. So he's used to making the most out of the certain few number of targets he's going to get per game. And I think he was able to help Ryan Tannehill in this way that he's going to help Jalen Hurts. Like, Ryan Tannehill isn't known for throwing the ball deep, deep downfield. But yet you look at A.J. Brown's production, and he has these chunk plays in his resume. Like, one of just three wide receivers to average more than 10 yards per target on at least 250 targets in the last 25 years. So I give you that stat, and you're like, oh, he played with Josh Allen? Like, oh, he played with Pat Mahomes? Like, no, he played with Ryan Tannehill. So he's still able to – and I'm, we could just be honest. Those 10-plus yards targets aren't all, you know, right-on-the-money throws. They're not throws with smoke behind them. These are balls that he's had to go and get from defenders. He's not putting it in a handbasket for him. And I think he's going to have to continue to exercise that muscle – and help Jalen Hurts come along. And I think that's going to make the Eagles offense look better. I think it's going to help Jalen Hurts progress. Like that's the, that's the receiver you guys haven't been willing to go get forever. You've been willing to go get the speedster. You've been willing to go get the possession jump ball receiver and Alshon Jeffrey, but you haven't gone and got this guy The I'm just more of a specimen at receiver than you. And you finally went and got him. Well, that guy's not always out on the market to go get. That's why I, I think you. Howie Roseman, excuse me, Howard Roseman Howard. Howard, was yes, so sir. aggressive Howard. in going out, not only trading the first and fourth for him, but also then on top of that, like you said, James, you have to give him all this money, but I do think it's worth it. And just wanted to touch back and, and frame my point about giving, making sure that A.J. Brown is touching the ball. Debo Samuel last year. People raved that the Niners were giving him the ball behind the line of scrimmage. He touched the ball 136 times and averaged 13 yards per touch. Insanity, right? Mm -hmm. So that's 136 touches in a year. A.J. Brown has got 190 touches for his career over three years, 190 touches. So when you look at trying to get them, when you're paying a guy $25 million a year, number one, and then looking to go out. Right. He's going to he's going to touch it. You're going to touch the football mm-hmm. a lot. And so that's what as an Eagles fan and as someone who is kind of bullish on this Eagles offense, like that's the big value, gain of value in adding a guy like A.J. Brown is now you can kind of go any which way and it's going to end up decent as long as he's getting his hands on the. Run. Yeah. So if you okay. just look at the Eagles, they're a team that runs the ball a lot. A.J. Brown's fine with that, even though wide receivers are known to be give me the ball, give me the ball. He played with Derrick Henry when he had 2,000 yards. Like, that's not going to be a thing when they, we call runs for Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts and whoever we decide to run the ball with. And so we had the number one run game in the NFL, an historically good run game, but if you look like post-week seven. And we have a developing Devontae Smith, 
who had a very good rookie year, and we got an all-pro wide receiver in A.J. Brown. So that means our developing wide receiver gets less attention, like our good developing wide receiver. So it's More one-on-one opportunities. And Jason Kelsey, they convinced to come back. So the running game, the the O line stays the same. Um, it's it's really really promising, and I I'm just afraid of getting my hopes up. Okay, here here's here's what I'll push back on. Here's what I'll bring you back down to earth a little bit. Yes, he's okay with having a running offense when my running back is the best running back in the NFL. Like you said, two thousand yards. Miles Sanders ain't touching two thousand yards, man. This is eight fifty to nine hundred yards per season is what we're getting out of Miles Sanders. So, what do you do? You see anything changing does aj brown being an offense make you guys throw the ball more or does it help the run game because i can't flood the box too much i gotta have some help because i have weapons at receiver which one which one do you see more um that's a great question i think that they'll probably stick to the formula they had last year where they were one of the most dominant run teams in the nfl look on accident, low-key on accident. Well, not even on accident. It was against literally opposite of what they were trying to do. For <laughs> That's the, for what they I were, mean. Right. That's what I mean. Right. Okay. And, but, but once they started running the football and realizing like, hey, we've got a lot of physical bodies. We can beat a lot of teams up. Hey, but they might be better at football than us, but we're stronger and we're faster. And that's really what matters. So like mm. they found something that works in that formula. I think what A.J. Brown does within that is – benefit from the fact that hey the eagles are going to be in a lot some run heavy sets maybe there will be some sets where you're going to have some tight ends close in on the line and it's just Devonte smith and aj brown and that's probably going to be enough that's probably going to yeah. be enough if you're able to load the get the defense to load the box he's going to be able to see some more cover it's very similar as you said and as matt said to his time in tennessee with derrick henry not the same caliber but the same mindset i think i mean i i think you're Thinking in your concept is dependent on them still being, that would be a great running team, but still being a good running team. I got to see you guys be able to repeat that now that people are keen and onto that, which I, you know, isn't impossible, but that's a different challenge. But Matt, to your point, a former wide receiver coach who loves wide receivers, he's also Nick Sirianni, I'm talking about, has this affinity with Jalen Hurts. I would sometimes say it's a little bit too buddy buddy, like wearing him on your shirt at practice, but. He has an affinity to Jalen Hurts, and I think he has a personal investment on seeing Jalen Hurts develop and succeed. That lends me to think the ball is going to go in the air more than it did last year. Miles is still going to get his touches. The offense is still going to be creative, still going to run the ball. But I think he's going to want to use Jalen Hurts, help him develop, and he's going to want to use the shiny new $100 million toy that just drove on the lot. Like He's going to want to use that. I think you guys become more of a passing team this year. Ultimately, game script, all, like if they're down a ton, yeah, they're going to pass more than, they, than they're going to run. Sure. Um, so there's some of that that plays into it. I just think when evaluating Jalen Hurts and furthermore, like, yeah, he, he definitely wants him to be successful because that was the first really franchise quarterback he's been given. And I think that the way to make Jalen Hurts look the best he can possibly look is number one, winning football games, and number two, doing it efficiently. And in my opinion, at least in the early going, until Jalen Hurts has proven, hey, I'm not the same guy as last year. I can really survive throwing the ball 40 to 50 times per game if needed, not every game. Um, until that happens, I think you're going to see a lot of play action and a lot of a lot of um, a heavy run attack. But that doesn't mean like Jalen Hurts isn't going to throw the ball differently than he did last year. Maybe he airs it out more and now gets more air yards and more, you know, completion or, or excuse me, touchdowns because he's airing the ball out. I, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see because I agree with you. Like this is a big year for Jalen Hurts and, and Sirianni. So we'll see where yeah. they go. The answer to your question, James, is basically how the, it depends on how good Jalen Hurts is. If Jalen Hurts steps up again and has like a top 10 quarterback season next year, they're going to throw the ball more. If he struggles and has a middling quarterback season, they're going to run the ball basically the same as they did last year because they're going to play to their strengths. Right, right. How long are you willing to wait and see which one folds out? 
Because you don't know that in the first three weeks. The first two weeks are the first well, two weeks. It took weeks. Sirianni going... seven weeks to learn the offense last last year. <laughs> it took the head coach seven weeks to learn to learn. No, he changed his entire philosophy for the team. Right after they started two and five. Well, because someone started pointing out. Someone started pointing out, like, hey, man, I know the game plan isn't working, but we're low-key running the ball for, like, 150, 200 yards a game. Like, <laughs> on accident. Keep, hey, you want to keep running Have the ball? Have you looked at our yards per carry? Like, yeah, whoa, I'm telling you it was on trying? accident. We're not even trying to do it, and it's just happening. So I guarantee you it's on accident. All right. We're going to move on to the next new addition. I like this one. I want to shake up the room a little bit because this quarterback is known to shake up the room a little bit. The Carolina Panthers went and made some kind of – home run swing, whatever swing it was, and traded for Baker Mayfield um, to get him out of Cleveland, to get him a new situation, and to go and, I guess, compete for a job with Sam Darnold over down there in Carolina. Let Robbie Anderson tell it, and they're not happy about it. But it's a, it's, it's, it's a new opportunity for Baker as he now enters training camp for Carolina. Everyone's going to be monitoring that situation. I definitely am because – I don't think he goes in definitely there as the starter. I think Sam Darnold still has it in his mind that I'm the starter or competing for this job. So I'm interested to hear what your guys' take on that because they didn't give up much for him, a conditional fifth. So it's not like you give up a haul. It's not like you spent much on him. He's just a fresh face in the quarterback room. So, like, Jake, does he go in starter, competition, backup? What's what's Baker's role here? Oh, man. I would love to say, oh, they just traded for him. Of course he's going to be the starter, but – Traded a bag of peanuts. Not only did they (laughs) trade a bag of peanuts, they did the same. They traded a similar bag of peanuts for Sam Darnold. So (laughs) ultimately, Uh, uh, like uh. I I think it'll be it'll be a a full fledged competition. Like if like truly, I don't know who of which of those two are better. I have no. no, 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 I know. I know. That's easy. It's it's clearly Baker. Darnold's horrible. Uh, Baker Baker ain't that much above hard. Baker Baker (laughs) is like. Slightly below average if you just accumulate everything. But right. Baker's worst year is like Darnold's best. It's like Yeah, it, but 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 Baker had a lot more to work with and his not great, but had a lot more to work with than Sam Darnold ever had to work with. I mean, coaching turnover, he got really, really sick one year. He probably shouldn't have been starting when he came in right away just due to how much dysfunction there was with the Jets. He had he I believe in two years, he never had a wide receiver play consecutively like four or five weeks because of injury and then suspension and saying whatever is going on. Like, he was never steady for Sam Darnold. Yeah. And then goes to Carolina and after three weeks loses the best weapon on his offense. Like, it's just never been. Last two seasons, he has 18 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. That's and, and, like and, some and, 1970s stats right there. Right. But, but, <laughs> but, did you, but did you hear all the context? Like, Put a lot of people in that situation. Put a lot of people think of, think in the of, Jets organization. Think Adam of, Gase. Think of Adam ba- Gase. Think of how bad Carson Wentz was in 2020. He still threw four more touchdowns and interceptions. It's hard to be that below the TD interception ratio line. I like, agree. Dar- I Darnold agree. is laughably horrible. Baker Mayfield's just like the 22nd best quarterback. Uh, and there's only there's only 32 of them starting in the league. Yeah. Like, yeah, so he's not so. Darnold, Darnold, is, Darnold's probably like if I'm ranking all the quarterbacks, he's probably like 52. Oh, he's under some backups. That's yeah, tough. that's, that's incredible. I, I, what do you think, Minshew or Sam Darnold? I take Minshew without even thinking. Uh, I think I, about it a little bit. I think I, about it a little bit. I think the point you is. The point is, is that Sam Darnold is a very much unproven commodity. And it's funny that it's his fourth or fifth year in the league. What was he, 2018? So 18, 19, Fourth year in the league. Mm, And we still don't really know what to think about him. So to say that Baker Mayfield, who... They were the same draft. (laughs) Well, I'm looking at the draft right now. Mayfield, Saquon, Sam Darnold. What a... What a terrible run out. And Saquon, I mean, we've talked about Saquon. No, that's a good pick by the Browns. I don't care. You've never won a playoff game. Drafting Baker won you a playoff game. Um, They also drafted Denzel Ward, the cornerback. Is it Josh Rosen in that? Josh Rosen was 10th. The only – there's three really good players. Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen, Roquan Smith went went 6, 7, 8. Uh, Bradley Chubb you could throw in there at 5, too. is pretty good. After Saquon, Quentin Nelson, the best draft of that 
of everyone you named right there by far um but right, back right. to the back back to what we were talking about i really do think that and it's just matt rule from his time at temple loves to spur competition even if there is a guy who theoretically is better than another one leaving the door open i think gets the most out of your players or at least that's the idea so Sure, Baker's probably brought in here to be the starter. If Sam Darnold starts week one, I would not be surprised at all. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Okay, so Matt, if if Baker's so light years ahead of Sam Darnold, what does Baker Mayfield bring to Carolina that Sam Darnold was unable to bring to Carolina? But give it to me that way. He's a competent NFL quarterback. It's really that simple. He's not this... OBJ's dad made this video and it showed a bunch of really bad decisions by Baker Mayfield. And then everyone decided Baker Mayfield was like the worst quarterback to ever play in the NFL. It was but like they were really, ready to think that before that video. I think the video was just confirmation. It's, it's, well, people are predisposed to hate Baker because Baker has a punchable face. That's not mm. an indictment on Baker Mayfield at all. He just has a punchable face. And I, I, I just like Baker in the beginning, but I, he was on too many commercials too early, whatever. But he won a playoff game for the Cleveland Browns. That's that's an incredible achievement. Some good Historic. like like Jeff Garcia couldn't do that. Like some like decent quarterbacks that went through the Browns weren't able to do that. But the Browns had a really good team. Like, they were really a good, good team. That is why like, they did on, that. On, and in, in paper, lieu of Baker. OB, OBJ was hurt that year, so Baker didn't miss him, which helped. No, they, they, they had a good team, and they had a good team last year, and Baker hurt them. And they, But the, he went to, on the road and won in Pittsburgh. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a very good accomplishment. And he gave them a lot of hope his rookie year. They were the worst. He was the number one overall pick. He leads them. He has a winning record his rookie year. He takes over for Terod Taylor, and he and he has like a really good rookie year. He either wins rookie of the year, or comes like second, and like they almost finish over five hundred. They go like seven, eight, and one. And then he he's just a really up and down quarterback. But if he gets his confidence and swag back, there's no reason I don't think he can be a replacement level starting quarterback. I mean, okay, so to your point, up and down. Year. I'm going I'm to use your stats. I'm going to use your language here. Rookie year, 14th in DVOA. 2019, 25th in DVOA. 2020, come back, go to the playoffs, 10th in DVOA. Last year, rock bottom, 26th in DVOA. So, like, we're up and down. But to, to this point, like, that's not what Carolina needs. Like, if you're going to bring inconsistency, we could have kept that conditional fifth. Carolina's Sam, quarterback had a 68 passer rating last year. Yeah, that's just that, – I that's mean just, – that's, that's just really that's, rough. Any way you any way you square it, that's just really rough. Baker had an eighty three passer rating last year, and he stunk. Like right. it's I, again, I think OB, the quality of the go ahead, Jake. Go I'm ahead, just going to say the quality of the team really does yeah. matter because Sam Darnold was out there without Christian McCaffrey. It was him and Robbie Anderson slinging the thing around. I mean, like it's just like a little bit of DJ Moore. There are levels to the context, I think, and ultimately. Whether it's Baker, you know, I, I think if Baker ends up winning the starting job there and he gets stuck into that offense and you have DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and McCaffrey to kind of keep him entertained, like he can probably manage some I I would imagine if I if you tell me Baker's going to play every game this year for the Panthers, I say they go like nine and eight. Nine and eight, eight and nine, something like that. Because they're going to have a decently gonna have a decently easy record. And they have assume obviously health plays into it a ton too. But and and their conference and their uh, division, I should say, is tough. But tough. they've got a really Six, good seven. defense, and they've got some weapons on offense. So like he can here's, he can manage them there. Here's here's where I'm coming from with it. I I agree with you, Matt. I don't think Baker is that bad of a quarterback. I think he's bottom bottom level of the mid tier quarterback. So you're right, slightly below average, but doesn't move the ball for me. I was listening to Robbie Anderson on I Am Athlete, not to plug another podcast, but listening just to his testimony of Sam Darnold. And he said when Cam Newton came in, when Sam Darnold got hurt, like Cam Newton didn't play the best in the world. For two weeks, he looked like he was a, a good quarterback again, but he breathed new life and confidence into us. He was like, Cam came in as such a breath of fresh air, a professional, a guy who's done something and just 
gave us a new perspective and a new life and something to like rally around, something to believe in. So now Cam is gone. You go back to Sam Donald, who people don't believe in. If you're going to bring another quarterback into that, bring a quarterback that we believe in. Do you believe in Baker Mayfield? If you were an NFL player, NFL wide receiver, after watching that debacle, would you believe in Baker Mayfield? Would he come into this locker room, to this organization, and make us believe in more in the guy that we're leaving? Because if not, then I don't don't see the upside. I don't see the addition. Uh, He's just a new face. But Baker doesn't... You have a four number one overall pick who's shown you can play well. And you get him for cheap. You're only paying him four mil. You take a risk. But that's I think the GM. That's from right. the GM standpoint. That that's front office standpoint. I'm talking about player standpoint. A guy that like is he going to elevate our team for the I GM? Think, yeah, that's a no brainer. As I'm look, I've never been in, in the in an NFL locker room throughout a season. I have no clue. But I can't imagine it differs too much from a regular workplace where like QB also I think is elevated. Um, like. Teammates, I think, look to QB to the quarterback as like a leader or at least as someone who is put on a higher pedestal than the rest of the players. I think that is just a positional thing, the starting quarterback. Right. And, you know, I can have all these preconceived notions of Baker. I can see what Baker has done in past places. But if he comes in and works his butt off and has a great attitude and has swagger that, that people can buy into, like, sure, why not? Like, maybe you won't end up being the best team. But the best teams, at first and foremost, have to believe they can be one of the best teams in the league, right? So that starts with the belief in who you have in the building. Apparently, from what you're saying, that that wasn't evident. Uh, I didn't hear that interview, but sounds poignant to what we're talking about. Like, clearly, they did not believe in Sam Darnold. Maybe that kind of swagger, that guy who's been there could be Baker. And then you build from there. Um, But... So yeah, what I'm doing is I'm taking Robbie, Anders, uh, Robbie Anderson's testimony and personally putting me in that space. So I hear what you're saying. I get the mindset. Now, I'm imagining, man, I'm, I have no professional athlete mindset. But if I'm thinking of, of, a, of an athlete's mindset from what Robbie Anderson just explained, like it's, it, Cam brings that. Cam Newton, just his presence brings that. Does Baker's presence bring that? Or... Does he just bring a punchable face? <laughs> like, does he does he just annoy me? Like, 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 does he bring that belief in me? When he says in the huddle, like, yo, we're about to go and, and score a touchdown and take the lead, do I believe him? Do I go like, yeah, I'm ready to run with you? Like, does that, because if, if not, like, he's not doing anything more than what Sam Darnold was bringing. He's not bringing anything. Yeah. Unless his play is that much better. Which I, I didn't, last year I didn't see his play be that much better. I don't know. He, he is a little bit of a... Somewhat of a leader in the sense that, like, he's the guy who gets under the other team's skin, and you hate that person when they're against you, and you love that person when they're on your team. Like, you know, him planting the, the flag in the middle of the field when they played um, Ohio State. Yes. Ohio State. But that, was, but that was Baker as a Heisman Trophy winner. Now, okay. if Baker out here and winning pro, uh, pro Bowls and MVPs, you can plant whatever you want wherever you want. But that's not what he's doing. Like you gotta you gotta back all that up with play. You're well, look. There's one out of however many players gets to be a Heisman per year, right? There's 32 out of however many players in the NFL who get to be a starting quarterback. So while it is not the same banner that you hold, I don't know, man. If you're a starting quarterback and you are as energetic and kind of spunky as um, Baker Mayfield is, maybe he can maybe he can get the ball across. I don't know. Baker's a confident guy. When his team's winning, his team likes him because he's confident and they're winning. And then when they're losing and he's still confident and he's not playing well, the teammates don't like him because he's the reason they're losing. So it's, well, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a double edged sword. And and you're right. And that and that confidence. And we can move on after I make this point. That confidence is great when even as the team around him, that I'm confident in my ability to carry out his confidence. So for example. In high school basketball, Jake, you'll remember this name. We had a, we had a kid, my guy, Ian Harrigan, was our was our point guard when I was a junior. I was his backup. So we go and play Academy Park, inner city school in Philly, and we're it's it's a really tough game. We're hanging with them, and then Ian gets in a little tussle with their center, big six five six six built dude, starts screaming at him. And then, you know, they get broken up and everything. And so we're going in the locker room and Ian's like, yo, 
kind of throws his hands up and he's like, why was I out there by myself? And one of our players is like, yo, you got to pick a battle we can win. Like if you barking at the, like what you want me to jump in there and get hurt too? Two black guys not going to get us home. Like we, like we won't get hurt too. So if you're Baker and you win the starting job and you're out there jawing with the defensive line, make sure your line can block who you're jawing. Make sure your receivers can beat who you're drawing. Getting make them in sure trouble. You can be, yeah. Make sure you can beat who you're drawing to. Remember, you're on the Panthers now. Like, re- like remember, you're on the bottom tier team yeah. now. Like, uh, you gotta maybe, maybe it's time to just rein it in and humble yourself a little bit. All that planting the flag stuff will get you hurt in Tampa. Right, that's hurt in New Orleans. Way behind them at this point, but it better be. But I, but I hear what you guys are saying. I'm kind of just playing devil's advocate, but I do hear what you're saying, and maybe Baker can be. That fresh face uh, for them. Speaking of fresh faces, we're going to keep going down the line because we talked about it off camera, how this team is getting a little bit disrespected and they're the Super Bowl champions, so we kind of don't understand why. But they go and make a good trade at receiver after presumably not bringing OBJ back, hasn't signed with anybody else, but it's pretty clear he's not going to sign back with the Rams. At least it's, you know, you know, pretty uh, – that's where it's headed. But they go and trade for Allen Robinson – um, then sign him to a three-year, $46.5 million deal. And you want to talk about not having consistency in your career. Let's just list off the starting quarterbacks of Allen Robinson's career. And remember, he's still a good receiver. His rookie year, Matt McGloin. We don't even have to go to well, that. college. This is college, too. Uh, My college, apologies. College, college. The first two You're are good. college. Good. College. Okay, so first two, Matt McGloin and Christian Hackenberg. That's at Penn State. So that he actually got a he actually got a good Christian Hackenberg. <laughs> no, no, uh, my quick Uh-oh. take on Christian Hackenberg at Penn State is people only thought he was good is because he had Allen Robinson. Right when Allen Robinson left, Hackenberg collapsed. True, true, true. So maybe he made Christian Hackenberg. Then we start getting to the nitty gritty. 2014 through 2016 um, goes and plays with Blake Bortles down there in Jacksonville. 2017 gets hurt. 2018 is now going to the Bears, has Mitchell Trubisky through 2018-2019, has Nick Foles for 2020, and then has a rookie Justin Fields and half of Andy Dalton year in 2021 for the Bears. Never really had an upper echelon quarterback. Like, that's just scary. Uh That's a scary list. Like, if you – I'm sure if you show him that list, like, when he was a rookie, that's something you wake up in cold sweats about, like, oh, it was just a nightmare. Oh, thank goodness. I thought I wasted my career. Before he had Kurt Warner – yeah, well, and this is actually yeah. it's a very good comparison, but as you were saying. No, I'm just, just you could you could take it from there because, like, I, you just have to remember that we're not talking about a receiver who hasn't done anything in the league. We're talking about a receiver who is still looked at to be, you know, upper half of receivers in the league, almost Pro Bowl, and now the Rams get a weapon. Yeah, this is honestly, like, for a team that somehow – is capped out. They have no picks. Oh, yeah, no, we'll just add whoever we want for whatever price tag we want. We can do it. Somehow they keep adding these guys that improve their team. So, like, you talk about disrespect. I think, like, the viewpoint on them is that, oh, they're the same team that they were last year. Honestly, they they probably lose some, um, some of the rotational pieces that made them a really deep team. But up top, you add Allen Robinson, and granted, you lose Robert Woods, and maybe, maybe lose OBJ. We're not sure about that yet. Probably looking that right. way, as you said. Well, and ACL tear in the Super Bowl. He'd be out for yeah. a long time anyway. Right, right. He, he would be out regardless. And now you add Allen Robinson, who, I mean, arguably, like, the he has seen really high highs in his career already with those lists of quarterback, that, that awful list of quarterbacks that you put out. I think in his second year with Blake Bortles, he led the league in receiving touchdowns. And mm. before last year with a really putrid Bears team, he had he averaged about 1,200 yards per year. So, I mean, to, to say he's anything other than a wide receiver one, which on this team he probably won't be because of Cooper Cup, but like just in terms of overall NFL status, this guy is really, really good. And I don't think enough people are, are recognizing how big of a move this is. Well, I think he seamlessly steps into the role that Robert Woods is. And let's remember that offense that Sean McVay had, Robert Woods, before the injury, almost like having the same production, if not better than Cooper Cup to start the season, was going crazy. Um, and I think it's perfect for him because Cooper Cup is such a dynamic wide receiver. He does everything in that offense. He'll run the jet sweeps. He'll be in tight. He'll be out wide. He'll run every route in the book. 
But I think you benefit from being a number two to that because a number two can just be a steady receiver. You run these five or six routes on the tree. You play on this side of the football. We ask you to do not a lot of things really well, and Cooper Cup does everything really well. And I think if Al Robinson steps into that kind of steady role, because like we just talked about his career, nothing was steady around him, but yet he's doing well. Now give him steadiness a steady role, a steady diet, steady coach, steady team. And, you know, I think he gets right back on track to that averaging 1,200 yards a season. And the fact that he's done that with a combination of, you know, Blake Bortles and Nick Foles and Andy Dalton and Mitch Trubisky is wild to me. Like, it's truly a testament to how good Allen Robinson can be in the league. Allen Robinson, it's a tragedy that the year he got hurt was the one year that the Jaguars made the playoffs, too. Yeah, right. The only time he's made the playoffs, he got double-doinked. Yeah, and I, you make a really actually good point about him now having steadiness around him. You know who that reminds me of? We were talking about it last year around the same time. Matt Stafford. His teammate, Matt Stafford, yeah, 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 finally yeah. getting a solid team that isn't the Detroit Lions to play <laughs> on, and we saw what happened. So... Ultimately, I think it's a really good signing. Now, I think what the calculus, the math comes down to for do they get better is compare him to their de facto wide receiver two, which is actually a combination of two people. It was Robert Woods until he got hurt, and then they brought in OBJ. It actually adds up to 16 games played. In 16 games played, you combine both of their stats. Here's what wide receiver two looks like. 72 catches, 860 yards, nine touchdowns in 16 games. Obviously, he'll be playing... 17. 17. So um, you can you can maybe beef him up a little bit. Does Allen Robinson go over or under those numbers and where over or under? I mean, if you think it's less yards, more catches, whatever. I think the catches goes down a little bit. 72 catches in 16 games, yeah. not bad, man. You, you yeah. get some targets. That's not bad. Um, so I think the, the catches goes down. I think the yards can – we can probably pin him in for the run because that's, that's a – down the field offense. That's an offense that sees a lot of a lot of volume in the passing game. Matt Stafford's going to throw that thing thirty five to forty times a game, so the yards will be there. I'm iffy about the nine touchdowns. I think if I think if we see nine touchdowns, we're like, hey, yo, Allen Rob is here, but it's not out of the question, right? But that is a high total for a wide receiver too, about to touch double digits and touchdowns. So, so you say less we'll less yards or less ca- catches and touchdowns, but more yards. Right is where you say around this around the same amount of yards, if not gotcha. a little bit more, but not more or less catches than touchdowns. If that right, makes sense, right, like right. I could see around the seven eight range for touchdowns, yeah. but maybe in the sixty five range for catches. Right. Matt, how about sense. you? I think it's slightly under all of them. I think he gets. Okay. I think he gets around like sixty ish catches for seven hundred forty yards and like six or seven touchdowns. Only 700 yards. I could see the Rams having two 1,000-yard receivers. They were going to last year if Robert Woods didn't get hurt. Cooper Cup was still going to do his thing, and Rob Woods was going for like 1,250. Like, they, they were about uh, to have 2,000-yard receivers. Oh, I, I could I, – I just – if I if I were – it, it I, I don't – 861 is a high number. So maybe it's 800. I think for a number two, the, for the person who's getting the second most receiving yards on a team. Well, I mean, it's not unheard of. We had, what, three or four teams have 2,000-yard receivers last year? Yeah, I know. It's, but it's still unusual. And Robinson, he's been injured a, a little bit. And uh, last year, he didn't have a great, like, yards per game. I know he's only 20. He's still, like, in his late 20s, so it's not like he's old. Um, and who was throwing him the ball? And, like, you yeah, keep Justin Field, the I know Justin Fields couldn't throw last year because there was no yeah. – there's no offensive no line, line. Oh, yeah. um, but it and he hasn't had just for the touchdowns, which he hasn't had that many touchdowns since he had 14 in 2015. So I, 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 I like, I like before the whole um, AJ Brown trade happened. I really wanted the Eagles to get Allen Robinson. I thought it'd be a really good compliment. Um, so like, I'm not down on Allen Robinson. I just, I, I'm just slightly under. It's nothing um, no disrespect. So. Here is why I think both of you are wrong. And I think there is one true answer that we're going to find out here. And it's going to be that he is going to go over all of these. Maybe not touchdowns. Touchdowns is pretty high. I think he can get close to eight or nine touchdowns, I project him. But like, you think he's getting over 72 catches? And here's why Cooper Cup saw 191 targets, 191 (laughs) targets 
That's in a year ridiculous. and 145 catches, he's catching 76% of them, right? And then he's also going for 16 touchdowns, he almost catch 2,000 yards. He like, didn't catch 145 balls. He didn't okay. catch 145 balls. Something crazy like that, right? It, it, exactly, yeah. It <laughs> doesn't make it. 146 and he didn't break it. So. it That's it ridiculous. Doesn't, no, he, no, he made 145 is the answer. But, like, it is insane to think. Maybe it will happen. Maybe crazy things do happen. Maybe Cooper Cup will have this year again. But more than likely, teams yeah, are going to yeah. slide some more people. Cooper yeah, Cup's way, mm-hmm. and it's going. You're going to see some red zone looks for Allen Robinson, and you're also going to see a lot of single coverage. I imagine he'll get around these stats, if not a little better, um, if they still are that top echelon team. That's true, and and that was going to be my next point. After that, it's not just about the player Allen Robinson is. Like Matt Stafford's case, it's the team he's going to. This is a coach in Sean McVay who loves to utilize his weapons and, and has a very good idea of what that number two receiver can do. And, you know, I, I just think when you have a shorthanded receiver like Allen Robinson, I mean, you we talked about all this turmoil around him and he didn't waver. Any, any, any guy who can not waver with all that change and all that inadequacy around him shows me that when he goes to a team that has the foundation, it's just going to, he's going to hit the ground running. Yeah. So I think Allen Robinson is prime for that. And Penn State boy, got to shout out for my Penn State boy. All right. We're going to move on because it's time to address the big news that the best team in the NFL has just made in the last two days. The Buccaneers going and acquiring Julio Jones. Uh oh. Uh oh. You just gave. You just gave Tom Brady another weapon. What, Jake? What? I know you're only doing this because it what? is the Buccaneers. I get it. But you say the Rams are disrespected, and this is why. They add Allen Robinson, and people are like, man, whatever. And then Julio Jones goes to Tampa Bay after being awful, awful since he left Atlanta. Awful. Because who was his quarterback? Whatever. Who was A.J. Okay. Brown's quarterback? Regardless, <laughs> I think it's a good move for the Bucks. but let's calm down a little bit. Julio played for the one seed in the AFC last year. It's not like he was on a bad team. <laughs> but he didn't have the best quarterback ever created throwing him the ball. And now he does. He never had that. And now he does. Um, so let's get all the facts out of the way before I go. He did struggle in Tennessee last year. Career low in yards, yards per game, touchdowns, and receptions. So in 10 games, 31 catches, 434 yards, and one touchdown. The touchdowns is very similar to his time in Atlanta because he would only have that in this whole season. Missed 14 games in the last two seasons, but a little bit injury-ridden. But he comes to Tampa Bay. And is he the best wide receiver in this room anymore? Probably not. Actually, probably would still take just overall sense Mike Evans and Chris Godwin over him at this point. But that's perfect because that's what Julio Jones comes in to be. And I, I understand that you don't want the best team in the league to get any better. So I understand why people want to try to downplay who and what Julio Jones is. But that's why he's a, such a great addition to this Buccaneers room because he comes in as that third wide receiver. And that veteran presence that's going to know what to do. He's seen every coverage. He's seen every situation. So it's a guy that Tom Brady doesn't have to worry about making the right reads in a situation. He's going to be able to go and do that. So give him a limited role. Give him one-on-one opportunities. Give him... Uh, uh, a shortened time on the field to maximize it all, and you're going to get the best out of Julio Jones. Let's remember, when Antonio Brown came in, when Antonio Brown seemingly did what Julio Jones is doing now and comes in and beefs up this wide receiver room, was he crazy during the regular season? No. He didn't make that many splashes in the regular season. Not publicly. But what did he, but what did he do? Right, not on the field. But what, he, what did he do come playoff time? That Super Bowl run, he has a great NFC Championship game. And then catches a touchdown in the Super Bowl. What uh, plays at the, at the time? A crucial touchdown. Ended up running away with the game. But at the time, the touchdown to give us the lead in the Super Bowl. So Julio Jones steps right into that into that slot. And last year and two years ago, we can go into the playoffs and Mike Evans starts seeing more coverage and Chris Godwin starts seeing more coverage. Who did Tom Brady go and find then? Tyler Johnson starts having big games. Scotty Miller starts having big games. I'm sorry. So now you're telling me that when Chris Godwin and Mike Evans start seeing more attention, it's not Tyler Johnson getting the target. It's Julio Jones. Oh, you're in trouble. Oh, you're in, oh, you're in trouble. You can't you can't downplay this at all to me because I'm not asking for a thousand yards and 12, 15 touchdowns out of Julio Jones. 
I'm asking for a veteran presence and big moments into the playoffs and later in the season. And you're fooling yourself, Statbat Robinson. You're fooling yourself if you think Julio Jones can't give that to me. No, that's all your face. You're fooling yourself if you think Julio Jones can't give that to me with the best quarterback God's ever put on this earth throwing him the ball. I'm just saying. It's just disrespectful. To, just I saying. thought of a comparison, but it's disrespectful to Julio because it's unfair to compare it to him. But I'm going to do it anyway. It it's it it kind of reminds me of when Chad Ochocinco went to the Patriots and he was washed, didn't do anything on that team. That's like, fair. No, that's fair. That's not that bad. That's no, because bad. no, Julio Jones is a way better receiver than Chad mm. Ochocinco. Maybe way at better. one point. No, Ochocinco right, 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 right. has no chance of making the Hall of Fame. Julio Jones is absolutely going to make it there. Julio, she would have ring this year. Julio might get might 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 have some nice important catches on third down in a playoff game, but like he's no. But if I were going to do like a, I'll do a second comparison. It's almost like this is even more disrespectful to Julio. But the play styles are, are similar. Uh, it's like Alshon Jeffrey late in his Eagles career. Like that's what I see. Is he's a guy who's just not there anymore. He might make a tough catch in certain situations, but he's not a guy who can create separation. He's not a guy who you can rely on in big situations. He's a regular run-of-the-mill third receiver, and that's why he was able to be signed at this in July. Jake, you're gonna let him do that. You're gonna let just to make a point. You're gonna let him do that. Call him a run-of-the-mill receiver. You're like Alshon Jeffrey, the guy who dropped a, a pass to take y'all to the NFC Championship game. That guy, he's he's like that guy. Alshon yeah. Jeffrey caught a huge touchdown in the Super Bowl, just like and the guy year. It's like the guy right you compared there. him to. <laughs> I may, uh, low-key may have had my argument swiveled a little bit here. I'm digging around as you guys were talking on football reference here. And I didn't, honestly, like, I dogged on Julio the last two years. He's only played 10 games in last year, nine games of the year before that. And um, I was like, you know, let me let me just see what his, that's t- so a total of 19 games. Let me see what it bears out for the 17-game average. And if you put those game that pace to a 17 game like a season, think? 104 targets, 73 catches for almost 1100 yards and four touchdowns. Run so, of the mill receiver. That's what I was told. Run I of the just, mill receiver. I don't maybe you know what? That was a, that was definitely a little bit of a radicalizing stat dive there for Every me. time we talk about a receiver and we just did it with the last segment when we talked about Al Robinson, what do I always say to y'all? Who's throwing him the ball? It's not bummy Matt Ryan and mid-Ryan Tannehill anymore. It's the greatest quarterback ever. The guy who made Chris Hogan look good and Scotty Miller look good and Danny Amendola look good. That's that guy. I do. It it is worth noting while we're not trying to be disrespectful. Matt Ryan did win an MVP during that time. Did win an MVP. Bummy. He bummy. Anyways, I think it's a solid, it's a solid, oh my gosh, it's a solid addition. (laughs) We don't have to go down that rabbit hole right now. It's a solid addition to the Tamp to an already very solid team where you're looking at Russell Gage as your fourth wide receiver. Two years ago, Julio and Russell Gage were the one and two. Now they're the three and four on a team. Whoa. It's crazy. No, it's, it's a, it is a, I, I, it's not on par with the Allen Robinson signing, but it is still a plus to that given team in the I think, I think it, it may not have the impact and the magnitude, but the scheme fit gets the same amount of plus points because the Rams are looking for a number two. They probably got the best number two they could get on the market. We got a third or fourth option, and it's Julio Jones. It's a third, and it's Julio Jones. That's the third Good or place fourth. to be in. Good place to be in. Matt, you got a rebuttal? He's not that good anymore. He doesn't get to play games. He's he's just not that good anymore. (laughs) I love Julio. I love Julio. I think he has one of the greatest plays in NFL history that no one will remember. And I think that's a tragedy. What play is that? In the Super Bowl, uh, when he caught it on the sideline. And should have broken all four or five of his toes. Because it put him in field goal range. With no, three tough. minutes to go, up eight, but whatever. That's probably the greatest, one of the greatest toe taps I've ever seen. It's also a great throw. I don't want to keep doing this, but it's also a great throw. It's one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history, in my opinion, because it's such a perfect throw and a perfect catch against well, perfect no. defense. You've played so right it's just hands, great James. football. It's great football against great football. 
So I'm not even going to say the name of the of I'm not I'm not going to make it a, because <laughs> not going to say. I don't want to make it no, sound honestly, like I'm doing that, but it's just like honestly, an incredible football play that got sullied by bad coaching. Honestly, Matt Ryan needs someone in his corner as much as you're in his corner. He needs somebody there. Local guy, he's an Exton boy too. He's yeah, local too. guy. And don't do anything for me. We're not from Exton. <laughs> We're from two towns over. I'm not from, I'm not I'm from, from Exton either, but I drive I'm from, there a lot. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm shoot down 113. That's where I'm from. I'm not from Exton. So I got, I got no ties. No, I don't want to be that down on Matt Ryan, but I'm just that high on, on the Julio Jones signing. So he goes into a different offense too. We talked about the offense that, Tennessee is a run heavy, run first offense, even without Derrick Henry. Still like to be run first and run heavy. And then, so if Matt or Matt Ryan, if Ryan Tannehill, same quarterback, if Ryan Tannehill is throwing the ball 17, 18 times a game, he didn't catch that, Jake. If, if uh, Ryan Tannehill is throwing the ball 17, 18 times a game, and AJ Brown is getting nine of them, John o. Smith is getting six to seven of them, Julio got two, three targets to eat up with two, three other receivers. Tom Brady throws this thing around the yard and at 42, we'll throw it 40 times if the game calls for it. And like, I don't know. Give me Julio Jones as my number three wide receiver going either. Let me say it now. On the airwaves, and it's not going to change. The Buccaneers will be the 2023 Super Bowl champions. That's so brave of you to say. but, 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 but But it's not me just being a homer. Like I truly believe, it's it's straight facts is what it is, Jake. I haven't heard you two come out and say the Eagles are Super Bowl winners. They're not you, guys, you guys love. So am I. Like so am I. Okay, don't we act just, like you're going out on a branch. Your team already we won. We just won it. That's why I'm not. That's no, why I have, not my going Super Bowl. I, I have my Super Bowl pick. I'll, I'll let you guys know later. That can, that should be. We should reveal those last episode of the off season. We'll do, yeah, we'll do our big prediction episode yeah. last episode of the offseason, y'all. Oh, yeah, you could just check tape on mine. Right, play the tape back run, here. run it. Play the tape. Run it. Super Bowl champions. Really quick, we'll go through this last one really quick. Because um, it happened a little bit ago. We just haven't gotten a chance to really cover it on the podcast. That's Russell Wilson going to the Denver Broncos, kind of completing all the infinity stones that is the AFC West over there because it is ridiculous. Um but they sent a haul over to Seattle to get him. Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and two first-round picks, the 2022-9 overall and the 2023. or 2022 and 9th overall in the 2023 draft. Um, also, two second-round picks and a 2022 fifth round to the Seahawks. So they sent all this over. They get Russell Wilson. And just the, the simple question and simple matter of fact is, where do you rank Russell Wilson now amongst quarterbacks in this division? Because now he goes into a loaded division with Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. So where do you rank Russell Wilson now out of those four? He he is two, and if you put Herbert over him, it's disrespectful to his career to put Herbert at this point over him. Completely disrespectful, I would say. Thank and you. like Thank you. that Thank is something you. that, and I like the Chargers. Unlike James, I'm actually high on the Chargers, <laughs> but I still think it's it's a bridge too far if you're going to be putting Carr or Herbert over him at this point. Um, I mean, he's a Super Bowl champion, you know? So I think it's recency bias to to do that because the last two years in Seattle haven't looked good, but... Russell still put up good, like, decent numbers. Right. Everyone's talking about how right. bad he was last year. He for a, that That's a great quarterback's bad year. That's what he had. He had a bad year for a great quarterback. But that's still, a, like, a decent year overall, and everything go, was going wrong. They After 2016, they really really messed up how to build that team and Wilson mm-hmm. kind of got caught with no offensive line and it was just a disaster and now he's finally in a fresh place with talent with a team that was a quarterback away and he's there and again to answer your question it's two and if you argue that he's not you're being really stupid and silly either way and you're, you're, being really either. you're being silly because it's not an argument <laughs> like right. russell wilson's best like last year is like almost as good as herbert's year last year statistically mm-hmm. speaking and he had and way it, more less weapons than herbert did because Metcalf had a really bad year and tyler lockett was injured a decent amount 
And I think it's disrespectful either way because you're not going to go and put him one. You're not going to go ahead and put him, you know, above Patrick Mahomes. But at the same time, you're not going to stoop him as low as Justin Herbert or Derek Carr. So if you go Derek Carr, I'm just not going to talk football for you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> if someone tells me Derek Carr is better than Russell Wilson right now, I'm going to say, okay, I'm not gonna, you're not worth talking football with. Right, right, right. Leave it to Matt's coworker. He'll whip one of those takes out eventually. <laughs> true, um, true. You'd be but, going through it over there. Uh, here, I'm actually going to come out with a pretty strong take here. I think there is a very real chance, and this kind of goes against what we talked about when we went over this division. I think there's a very real chance that Russell Wilson could win the NFL MVP this year for two reasons. Number one, he is by far more outfitted to do so with this offense than he really ever was with Seattle. I don't know. Maybe I'm overlooking. They had some good teams, so maybe I, don't, I won't go that far. But the big piece of it, this will be the first year in Russell Wilson's career where he will be actually facing the fourth hardest schedule, like in terms of division, you either face the mm. other teams, you know, first, if you finish first, if you finish second, right, you face right, the other number twos. So the, uh, Denver finished fourth in their division. This is the first time in Russell Wilson's career, he will have the easiest possible schedule. And I think you're going to see him reap the benefits of that. Plus, like, Weapons. A lot of people poo-poo on the Broncos team overall last year. They were a quarterback away from being elite. Their defense, third in points allowed, eighth in yards allowed, whereas their offense was 23rd in points scored, 19th in yards gained, like lower yeah. third. And Jake, and Jake, remind me what the last thing Russell Wilson did with a top-end defense. Was yeah. The- oh, ring, okay. ring them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, ring them. So, okay. So, I agree. I That's what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe we might be looking at a little sneaky NFL MVP wager. Go on FanDuel and, and plop in some money so I can be right about being right. I mean, you are, you are, you are not only are you are the, 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 the degenerate on the podcast, but you spoke something into existence last year. Your, your Eagles Rams. making the playoff ticket oh, and, 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 and the, the Rams. Eagles. Yeah, two of them hit, which it didn't look like. I mean, it's fading like this year. Have- that means some. SHIT is going wrong, man. Yeah, you really you really hit on them both. But um, all right, real quick before we end the segment, give me the Broncos win total by the end of the season then. Eleven is safe. Ten or eleven? I don't know. That's if I'm saying these MVPs gotta win ten or eleven. At least, at least, at least. But safe, safe ten or eleven. Safe ten or eleven. He wins, he wins ten. He wins ten. You gotta remember six of these games are against the division. And teams he hasn't played too many times before. Yeah. All AFC teams out west. He was out west, but all AFC teams, it's not like he's got much experience with this. So there may be some stumbles along the way. But I like that 10 or 11, Jake. I might be a little bit higher than 10 and say 11. But those are some of the new additions for the NFC. We'll have a two-parter to this episode next week. We'll go to the other conference in the NFL and name the top AFC new additions as training camp gets started, man. I know everybody out there is hyped for the team to go on the field. Buccaneers, this was day two of training camp. Eagles, what, day two, day three of training camp for y'all? I don't, I, well, I don't know the answer one? exactly. Day one or day two? Day one or day two. So training camp is just starting for a bunch of people, so I know everybody's hyped. But – we're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. <laughs> As always, we can get to the shots about the buzzer. Matt, go ahead and get, get, get yours out the way so, they, <laughs> so we have enough time for Jake. Yeah. I didn't mean to say it like that, yeah. but, but we know Jake's got something waiting. I just want to give a huge shout out to uh, my mom and dad. Uh, they uh, went uh, on this past weekend, they biked 150 miles for uh, charity. Oh, my goodness. So, and they were not bikers before this year. So they, my dad became part of this charity organization after he retired um, for leukemia, and mm-hmm. they was oh we're doing this biking thing in Wisconsin. So they did all the research, did the bike, got the bike gear, practice, worked their way up five miles to ten miles to fifteen miles to twenty miles to thirty miles to forty miles to one hundred fifty. Well, it was over two days, so seventy five okay. miles. Then Still. you sleep in a hotel, and then seventy five miles again, and then you take a bus back. And they did it, and now they're enjoying a nice vacation. My dad's playing Whistling Straits as we speak right now. That's a That's very awesome. famous golf course in uh, Wisconsin. They held a PGA uh, championship and a U.S. Open there. So how how is he walking? How's he moving? Like, <laughs> well, they, they got the massage the day the day after they got like they got full body massages. Yeah. Right, there you go. Get something something. Got the shock doctor after that. I don't even know if I can. Like move after that. So testament to your parents, man. That's awesome. And it was for a good cause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You said it was for charity too. That's so all. That's, 
that that's awesome, man. All right, Jake, hit us with it. So I we all know the NFL season's coming uh, almost here, and I could not help but escape an NBA stat. Came across my timeline from my friend Matt Moore, uh, basketball paradox or hardwood paradox, excuse me, on Twitter. And he posted a list of the top two-man pairings in offensive rating. So two Ooh. players, when they're on the floor together, who has the highest offensive rating in the entire league? There is one team with three entries into this. It looks like a top 15. Three entries into the top 15. There is one person who is on this list three times. There's one person who is, uh, he's actually second with our guy, Joel Embiid. That I'm being Mr. James Harden. Why James Harden like second this? with him. Harden and Embiid are second to Kyrie and KD. Um, Kyrie and KD putting up a 123 offensive rating. That is sickening. Uh, Harden and Embiid just behind him, but then it's Harden and Maxi is on the list at number five. You have Harden and Tobias Harris on the list all the way down there. It's uh, maybe 10 or 12. I'm not going to count all the way through. All that to say this, okay? We have an MVP on this team, and it's not the fake MVP that I say Joel has. It's the real MVP that James Harden won, and James Harden isn't getting enough respect is what I've came around to. When fully healthy, he is going to be putting up 28, 10, and 10, and the Sixers aren't going to be, you know, second round good. They're going to be NBA championship good. Okay, there's there's no more a joke on defense when you have PJ Tucker in there and you're going to have a healthy Mm -hmm. Embiid for some time. Who knows how long? But Mm -hmm. all this to say, James Harden is still good at basketball, really good on offense. I don't understand why I wouldn't like that. I'm with you. I'm scared. He's just to admit that I believe out loud. Yeah, you do. Let yourself get there. This propaganda about Harden being healthy and back is really really getting to me. One, Jake, I'm with you until 28, 10, and 10. Give me 23 to 25, 10, and 10. 28, 10, and 10 is like old Houston Rockets, right. James Harden. I don't know if usage. Got that anymore. Yeah. For me, yeah. I just want the percentages up. But here's, here's what is unfair to James Harden is you guys are transferring pain from somebody else onto him. Like somebody else did you wrong when they underperformed. That somebody else wasn't James Harden. That somebody else has nothing to do. The only common thing they have is they were in the same trade. And they both at one point played for the Brooklyn Nets. That's but more no, one of them didn't. No, that's true. He hasn't suited up. <laughs> He's, that's true. He has not suited up yet. Ridiculous. But don't allow the pain that Ben Simmons gave to y'all and use that PTSD to now try to anticipate the hurt that James Harden would bring. That's Jake. You said he's an MVP. Like yeah, I'm ba- no, I'm back on my delusional Sixers are winning next year tip. Like, it's on. It's on. I mean, we talked about this one two, three episodes ago. when we Last episode, we did a speaking facts. And we talked about, like, you know, has he shown the signs of getting back to being a productive player on a championship team? You guys said yes. Philly says yes. I say yes. Like, I, th- I think it's okay, Matt. It's okay to let yourself get there. You're like you're like the person who got done wrong and dumped and now won't let yourself love again. Like it's, let yourself get there. That's how I feel. Let yourself get there. That's not fair to your next partner. You ain't do that. Because if you weren't ready for it, don't trade for it. Don't don't love again then. Don't be in this relationship if you weren't ready. Should trade for him then. But allow yourself to get there, Jake. I'm I'm on board. Thank you. I appreciate 25. your support. 25, 10, and 10. Uh, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. <laughs> we'll get me there. Um, my advisor is much less sports related. Um, so I, I ran into a situation with my boss today at work, and I'm not going to air out the situation. And I, before I say this, I don't want to be speaking ill on my boss uh, at work. Um, if she's listening, I appreciate the support. And it's, you know, not going to air out any dirty laundry. I just want to speak on the fact of like being a leader in leadership styles. And I think, a common misconception or a common wrong way of doing things, especially when you get to corporate America is thinking that everyone under you, all employees have to listen to just your style and have to all conform to the way you do things. Like I understand as a boss and a leader, you want to set a tone, you want to set a culture and you want to set a precedent. I I completely understand that. But I think the best leaders, the best bosses realize that people have different communication styles. 
And if you want to be just as effective in communicating with your star player as the last player on your bench, you got to realize that not everybody is motivated the same. Not everybody's wired the same. Not everyone receives messages the same. So if you're truly, truly at heart worried about building a good team and getting every the most out of everybody, then you have to be okay with changing your communication style. Not your leadership style. Not who you are. But I know that this certain way of words, that this certain animation is going to motivate X, but it's not going to motivate Y. So I have to speak to Y in a different way if I want the most out of Y. If I don't care about getting the most out of Y, speak to him the same way, you'll get a different result. But if you truly want the best out of every single person you have there, realize that everyone's got a different personality and learn how to effectively communicate with those people. It's just game from a young gent. That's all I got. I would say that's incredibly insightful. And it's like what I always say, when working by yourself, IQ is the most important. When working with a team and working to build something together and do something together, EQ, emotional quotient, knowing Mm -hmm. person-to-person skills is way more important than being the smartest person in the room. Um, And I think that's exactly what you detailed there. And it's a little bit, you know, that hits home for me as someone who is just kind of starting, becoming a manager in my job, like, I definitely hear that, and, and it's something that um, I think everyone can kind of take a lesson from. Yeah, to, to yeah, plug, yeah. I am athlete again. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah that, that it's it's very telling about who's new to it, at least in my experience, mm-hmm. versus who's been there a while. By the way, they whether they treat everyone with the same general overall uh, attitude, or whether they deal with someone in a person-to-person basis um, in a management style, and it's all the second because. Once it's not just as an employee, you notice that they've Mm -hmm. noticed you. So it makes you understand their criticism instead of you're just, it's like a YouTube video come to life kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I think people get, people get the saying, you know, treat everyone with the same respect, a little bit misconstrued in that sense. Like I'm not saying your star player gets more respect than your bench player. Everyone gets the same amount of respect but the communication has got to change if they're not getting it. Like if, if you're not getting the most out of it, how do I change for this person to get it? And really quick, I'll, I'll say this really quick before we ride out, not to plug I Am Athlete again, but the Asante Samuel episode in it, they asked him who's the best coach he's ever been coached by. Who do you think is the best coach you know, ever? And he's been coached by Bill Belichick, but also Andy Reid. And he was quick to say, he's like, Andy Reid's the best coach. Like, Bill Belichick can have all the rings. He went to the Tom Brady argument. But he's like, Andy Reid cares about you. Andy Reid not only is successful, but he's going to go out your way to make sure that, like, his players know he's there for him. He cares about you as an individual who would try to connect with you. He's like, Bill, not doing any of that. And it's the exact opposite. The style, I think, is not good, where you go in and it's all the Patriot way, no matter who you are, where you come from, what you do. You do it our way or the highway. And I, I think that's got a very limited success rate. So... Just, just my little tidbit. Just wanted to, you know, get something off my chest a little bit. Sure, a little bit of game. But that's all the time we have for this game and this episode of Straight Facts. Shout out to everyone on Up on Game. Game is being thrown around here. But shout out to everyone on the Up on Game Presents Network: Lavar Arrington, Plexico Burris, TJ Hoosman, Zada. Make sure you guys are liking and subscribing to them on all platforms. And shout out to my guys, Jake Galley and Stat Matt Robinson. I'm James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up.